This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Did Ronald Reagan really believe Russia would one day attack Israel? Apparently so. Today on Viewpoint, we look at Russia. We look at monkeypox. We look at Noahide laws. We look at the anticipated shifting of universal governmental authority to the World Health Organization. We look at the ruling, a historic verdict concerning the Temple Mount. We look at the toppling of the Bennett government in Israel. Oh, and also changes in the universe's rate of expansion that cannot be explained by physics as well as an exploding LGBT membership number that is being rebuked, actually, by a prominent liberal broadcaster. Today on Viewpoint, we are going to weave together what seems to be radically disconnected subjects into one connected subject. And I hope you'll stay tuned. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. So, where would you like to begin? Well, let's begin with something that we actually didn't bring up, and that is the death of a biblical worldview in America. That's where we're going to start here today on Viewpoint, and perhaps you'll see why. Millennial moms and dads aren't passing on a biblical worldview to their children, according to the research conducted by Dr. George Barna, who has joined us here on this program a number of times in the past and whose books have been cited uh, by pastors and other leaders for a whole generation. Most of the parents of young children in America, he said, if they were to die today, would probably not wind up in heaven. I want you to think about those words. Think about it. Are these words of judgment or are these words of observation? He's not saying, I determine and consign them to hell. He's not doing that. He's saying, based upon the evidence that I have as a researcher, my conclusion is that most of the parents of young children in America today, if they were to die today, would probably not wind up in heaven. Yet, at least 70% of them believe they would. Of course, they can't give you any definitive answer for it, but that's what they believe. He went on to say that most people die with the same worldview, in essence, that they had at the age of 13. And that the overwhelming majority of American parents today lack a biblical worldview and a robust faith that they can even pass on to their children. Therefore, their children are deprived from even the most fundamental understanding of the Christian faith and the means of salvation. 
The study found while 67% of American parents with preteens identify as Christian, only 2% of them possess a biblical worldview. He said one of the most important things we learn about parents with preteens is that they don't believe the Bible is reliable or true or even relevant to their lives. They don't have the same view of God as given to us in the Bible, and five out of six of them are not born-again Christians. He's talking about the parents of preteens. He goes on to say that only 1% of parents who are Catholic or mainline Protestant or black Protestant churches have a biblical worldview, only 1%, compared to just 9% in evangelical, charismatic, and non-denominational churches. So what is the import of this? Well, it's very sobering, isn't it? Very sobering from a Christian perspective and a Christian worldview, but... Dr. Danny Huerta, who is Vice President of Parenting and Youth at Focus on the Family, said he's not surprised. He's not surprised at all. Are you surprised? He said this is an opportunity, a wake-up call to the church, to make sure we're teaching the truth in Scripture and going back to the principles and believing that everything the Word of God says is true. The problem is, there is very little will to do that, even among pastors. Oh, you might say, well, my pastor teaches the Bible. Yes, my pastor teaches the Word. How many times have I heard that? The problem with that statement is, what part of the Word doesn't he teach? And what part does he choose to teach and focus on? Does he teach the whole counsel of God or only those parts that he thinks will incur favor with the congregation or those that he's dealing with? There's our problem. That's the problem that parents have. That's the problem that youth leaders have. And we're in a deep, deep problem here in America today. Now, Why would we bring this up in the context, say, of exploding LGBT LGBT numbers or the uh, detection of an unbelievable, unexplainable expansion of the universe, can't be explained by physics, or the Sanhedrin in Israel complaining the World Health Organization is violating the no-hide laws, which... Perhaps you don't even know what they are. And the spread of monkeypox now that's baffling scientists. What in the world could these all have in common? Well, they do have something in common. And here's what it is. They have in common that they all are consistent with what the Bible foretells will take place in these end times. That's what they have in common. While they may seem to be disconnected, They're not disconnected at all if you know the Bible. If you understand the Bible, not just parts of it, not just John 3.16, or not just uh, Matthew 7.2, which says, judge not that you be not judged. No, if you understand the fullness of the Bible and have studied to show yourself 
a uh, workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, then you would understand the connectivity between all of these subjects that we're talking about today. So we're going to continue to talk about them. And we know that in these end times, men will fall away from the faith. That's exactly what Jesus warned about. He said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul warned about, the great falling away. That's exactly what the Apostle Peter warned about. You see, there are warnings in the Bible. The themes are there. The ribbon of truth is there to tie together circumstances, understanding for our times, God did it for a reason. He created that ribbon of truth for a reason, so that you and I would be prepared and wouldn't be sucked in by the unbelievable pressure that is coming. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Do your children have a biblical worldview? I would even be more prone to change the question. Do your children and your grandchildren have a biblical God view? Don't answer too quickly. Just because you took them to church doesn't mean they have a biblical God view or worldview. In fact, the reality is that increasingly our children and grandchildren do not have a biblical God view or worldview. And there's a reason for it. They're not being trained in the word of God. They're being given gospel games to play in their youth groups. They no longer have genuine, serious-minded Sunday schools, and their parents are certainly not investing time to disciple them and to train them in their homes as God instructed them to do. Therefore, not only are the parents falling away, but their children are falling away even the more so. And this is exactly the picture that the Scriptures portray concerning these end times that will lead us to a place where there will only be a very, very small remnant of people who will make it through the pearly gates. Jesus spoke about that, you'll recall, in Matthew chapter 7. He said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and precious few there be that find it, but broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there will be that go in thereat, because they think that's cool. That's the way. That's the easy way. But Jesus went on to say, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, not everyone who professes to be a Christian is going to inherit the kingdom of God. Only those who do the will of my Father. In other words, only those who obey his voice. That's what Jesus came to do. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Jesus, the forerunner, 
the one who set the stage for our, our salvation had to obey God. Unlike Adam, Jesus, the last Adam, obeyed God, whereas the first Adam did not. How about your Adams? I'm not talking about your Adam's apple. I'm talking about your kids. They're all a bunch of little Adams. I'm not talking about A-T-O-M-S. I'm talking about A-D-A-M-S. We have a real problem. And unless professing Christians will take this seriously, there is going to be, dare we say it this way, hell to pay. My dear parents, grandparents, what are you going to say on Judgment Day when the Lord looks you in the eye and says, did you train up your children in the word, will, and ways of the Lord? Did you diligently teach them the scriptures? Did you teach them to memorize and meditate the scriptures? Did you teach them and disciple them in how to obey God, how to follow his word, his will, and his ways for their lives. Did you do that? And what are you going to say? You would say, oh, well, I thought the, the youth leader would do it. Oh, I thought the pastor would do it. Always somebody else, right? No. God says, no, I gave that responsibility to you. Have you never read Deuteronomy chapter 6? Oh, and so all of the excuses will be removed. The same will be true for pastors and youth leaders. And God will say, okay, um, here are the last 200 people that passed through your ministry. And as I see it, only one or two here uh, have been following me with their whole heart. The rest of them have been playing games and have gone through a pretense. Uh, What did you do, uh, Mr. Youth Leader? Why is it that only one or two out of all these hundreds of people, uh, kids that you've ministered to, uh, are walking through the pearly gates? What's what's going on here? What are you going to say? And pastors... Same thing. It's serious, my friends. This is not a game. It's not a religious game. It's not a grading on the curve. It's lining our lives up, our purpose up, our time, our treasure, everything lined up with the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How do we stand up to that standard? Seeking first the kingdom of God and then also his righteousness. In other words, his standard for living. Or are we allowing the culture to define the standard of living for ourselves and for our children and grandchildren? Enough said on that. Again, we're taking a look at a vast array of uh, subjects here today. Well, let's let's talk for just a moment about monkeypox. We're not going to monkey around here. 
Uh, let's let's talk about monkeypox because it's being talked about everywhere. As more cases of monkeypox are detected in Europe and North Af- America, some scientists who have monitored numerous outbreaks in Africa say they're baffled by the unusual diseases spread in the West. I'm not baffled by it at all. France, Germany, Belgium, Australia have confirmed their cases on Friday, and now it's multiplying. Uh, supposedly, there are about 100 cases now that have been established for sure, and it's spreading. Have you followed the information? In some instances, they say, where there's corruption, follow the money. But when there's sexual problems, when there are problems like this, you might better ask, follow the sexual behavior. And that's what scientists are not wanting to do. They're trying to avoid, the news media are trying to avoid connecting the dots concerning monkeypox. But friends, the dots are already connecting themselves. You say, how so? Because what they're discovering is that the majority of these cases can be easily tracked to homosexual behavior. And in particular, certain, shall we say, homosexual orgy conclaves, both in Belgium and in Africa, where people, men, young men, throughout the West, went to let loose all of their unrestrained sexual proclivities. And now, as the Apostle Paul wrote and warned in Romans chapter 1, they are receiving in their bodies the recompense of the reward that was appropriate to their abominable behavior. That's what the Apostle Paul said was going to happen. That's how AIDS came about and spread. Yes, ultimately, there were heterosexual people that got involved primarily within the black community because the men were playing down low and were actually having homosexual or bisexual relationships and promulgated AIDS to the females in their lives. Such that AIDS became the number one killer of black women for quite some period of time. I don't know where it stands right now. These things are not mysterious, friends. The doctors and the scientists are trying to pretend that they're mysterious because they do not want to make the connection with the sexual abomination. They do not want to give anything that's supportive so that the folk in the culture could say, see, this isn't sound behavior. This isn't righteous behavior. There is a consequence for this. Now, to show you just how uh, problematic this is, we move from monkeypox 
to a worker fired for protesting the rainbow image. You see, all of these connect now. They are all revealing the conditions that were described in the scriptures concerning these particular times, which are telling us that we are living in the end times. We are living in the times that Jesus said would be like as it was in the days of Lot. That's Sodom and Gomorrah. A lawsuit has been filed against a company with operations in Iowa after officials there fired an employee who responded to a company campaign to promote the LGBT agenda using a rainbow logo and the man, the employee, called it an abomination. So here's how it happened. The company fired Daniel Snyder from his position as lead operator in the plant based on a single religious comment that he made in attempting to respond to what was supposed to be an anonymous company survey. Snyder expressed his objection to the company's use of the rainbow to promote Gay Pride Month, stating briefly that using the rainbow in this manner is an abomination to God since the rainbow is not meant to be a sign for sexual gender. As Mr. Snyder informed his company, his statement was based on his deeply held religious beliefs that the Bible clearly shows that the rainbow is meant to be a sign of the covenant between God and man and that marriage is only between one man and one woman. The comment, in fact, was consistent with the promise made when the U.S. Supreme Court created same-sex marriage in 2015, saying, those who adhere to religious doctrines may continue to advocate with utmost sincere conviction that, by divine precepts, same-sex marriage should not be condoned according to their own deep aspirations to continue the family structure they have long revered. So, question, are LGBT activists intentionally hijacking and twisting the rainbow symbol because it has huge biblical significance? I believe so. That's exactly what Satan does, friends. He tries to co-opt what God has said and done and twist it and turn it for his own advantage. So the company's actions clearly violated the employee's right to be free from employment discrimination based on religion. He only made a one-time statement that he had intended and understood would be anonymous and private. His sincerely held Christian beliefs also included the reasonable understanding that Bible, the Bible teaches marriage is only between one man and one woman. He also sincerely believes that the Bible shows that the rainbow is a sign of the covenant between God and man, and thus it is sacrilegious to use the rainbow to promote relationships and ideologies that violate God's law. And my friends, you should resist and refuse to be complicit in using the rainbow colors at all. You should refuse to use them other than in a true rainbow situation. Why? Because you are becoming complicit in your affirmation of what God calls an abomination. 
The company claimed that Snyder violated its diversity schemes. But his attorney noted the irony in that, and that is that the company that is refusing to respect the diversity of Mr. Snyder's beliefs was offended by the company's choice to co-opt the rainbow to promote same-sex marriage and gender ideology. In other words, diversity only goes one way, and it's not really diversity at all. It's being used as an engine to shut all response up for any kind of genuine, true, biblical authority and position. Friends, these are the end times if you don't realize it yet. They are. What are you doing about it with regard to your kids, with regard to your grandkids? This next month is Father's Day. Dads, what are you going to be doing? Are you really a father? There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. If there's any one person in the family that should be taking the lead from God's perspective, should be taking the lead in raising up our children and grandchildren to follow the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord, it's the fathers. God gives that responsibility to dads. It's not that our mothers cannot be uh, involved in that, and they should be, but dads are supposed to take the lead. If you want to be the head of the home and you want to see yourself at the head of the home, then be the head of the home, my dear father friends. Don't talk about it. Don't try to usurp authority. Be the head of the home. Be a godly father. Be a godly husband. And if you feel weak, if you feel inadequate in that regard, then start anyway, and God's grace will be sufficient for you, for it will be sufficient in your weakness. And if you will begin, you make the choice, and God will help you make the necessary changes, but you have to start somewhere, and today is the day to start. Don't wait until Father's Day, June 19th. Start today. Today is the day of salvation, my friend. You don't even know whether you're going to have it tomorrow. Today. If you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Be tender-hearted. Say, yes, Lord, I hear. I understand. 
and I will be a doer of your word and not just a hearer only. I'm not going to engage in that kind of self-deception anymore, the pretense of a Christian faith. No, I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to be a genuine Christian father. Is that you? I'd like to hear from you, by the way. I really would. Send me a note. Let me know what God is saying to you as a father, as a grandfather, even as a pastor. Because after all, guys, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, don't we? Sure we do. And we all have to come to the Lord at the foot of the cross, and we're all going to have to cry mercy. But there's not going to be any place for mercy if we refuse to be a doer of the word. There's no place for mercy there. The mercy of God, the Bible says, is extended only to those who fear him and obey his voice. That's right. That's what the Bible says. That may not be what you heard, but that's what the Bible says. The mercy of the Lord is extended only to those who fear him and obey his voice. The Holy Spirit is given only to those who obey his voice. That's what caused Stephen, the first martyr of the church, to lose his life because he attested to that statement, and the rabbis, the pastors of the day, didn't want to hear it. I know this may sound kind of strong, but you know what? Isn't it time to stop playing games? Look, if you were involved in a football game or a basketball game or whatever, baseball, and, and you were messing around and you weren't, you weren't putting your full effort in, you weren't doing what you were there supposed to be doing, what, do you, what would you expect the coach to do? Would you expect him to come along and put his arm over your shoulder and say what a great job you're doing? and commiserate with you in the failures that you're experiencing because you refuse to even do the fundamentals? No. You see, there's a sense in which what we do here on this program is coaching our listeners to be doers of the word so that you can be victorious and win. Having done all to stand, stand when you're facing a big team on the other side, driven by Satan himself. There's no place for squirreling around anymore. Friend, if you were a coach and you had a team and one or two or three uh, people on that team were squirreling around Uh, refusing to uh, knuckle under, refusing to put in their all, refusing to do what you were leading them to do as a coach, what would you do? Would you say, oh, that's nice, that's okay, I'll put you on first string tomorrow? No, you wouldn't do that. No, you'd remove them from the team. And that's exactly what God says he's going to do. Read it. In John chapter 15, those who refuse to play on the team from God's viewpoint are going to be removed. 
Read it from the mouth of Jesus himself. He doesn't mince any words about it. This is not legalism, friends. This is about life. That's why Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, says right at the end, choose life. You make the choice, and God will help you make the necessary changes. But you have to choose. I have to choose. And we have to choose daily. Sometimes every five minutes, don't we? All right. Bill Maher, you know about him. Hyper-liberal talk show host. Now, he's questioning the left's sacred pieties on LGBT ideology. He's looking at the so-called rapid and explosive growth of LGBTQ identity in polls by the generation. He says now more than 20% of Generation Z Americans identify as LGBT, a gradual increase from 2.6% of baby boomers who identify as such. If you follow this trajectory, he said, we're all going to be gay by 2054. Of course, he was sarcastic, but that's kind of what he was saying. And he's saying, I'm noticing that this LGBT ideology is growing predominantly in Democrat-governed states with left-wing public school systems. If this spike in trans children is all natural, why is it regional? He said, we're literally experimenting on children. This is, this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being stuck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder, said the liberal Bill Maher. In true, he's right. How is this consistent, by the way, with what the Bible says about these times? It's absolutely consistent. The sodomizing of the culture we have become Sodom and Gomorrah as it was in the days of Lot. All of these things, the ribbon of end times connects them all. Here's an interesting one. Something weird is going on with how our universe is expanding, and it can't be explained in current physics, says NASA. Data from the Hubble Space Telescope has shown there is a huge discrepancy between the universe's current rate of expansion compared to the rate right after the Big Bang. A 30-year marathon of data collection has brought them to this point of understanding. They say the cause of this discrepancy remains a mystery. Supports the idea that something weird is going on possibly involving a brand-new physics, said NASA. Wow! A brand-new physics? You know what this is really saying without admitting it? It's saying there's a God out there that is doing things because he's the creator of the universe and he's doing things that we didn't expect him to do. They just can't allow themselves to say it that way because as the famous evolutionist from Harvard, Dr. Richard Levantin, once said, no matter how much evidence we have to the contrary, we just can't admit 
that there's a creation or a create uh, uh, an intelligent designer because we can't allow a divine foot in the door. Well, a divine foot is kicking the door open, friends. And NASA, these scientists are noticing it. Here's what they said. The universe is not only expanding, but it's expanding faster and faster as time is going by. So the expansion of the universe has not been slowing due to gravity as everyone thought it would. It's been accelerating. No one expected this. No one knew how to explain it. But something was causing it. Oh, something or someone. What we'd expect is that the expansion would get slower and slower as time goes by. Because it's been, as they say, nearly 14 billion years since the Big Bang, at least according to them. In other words, God is throwing science into a tizzy. Because he's doing things as he said he would concerning the universe in these end times that the science scientists have no way of comprehending. They can't explain it. The Bible says that in these end times he would shake both the heavens and the earth. In other words, everything's going to be shaken up. You can read about it in Hebrews chapter 12. And also in the Old Testament. We're going to go to Israel now. The Sanhedrin, 71 elders of Israel that were reformatted after 1,700 years in 2004. This last Sunday, the World Health Assembly, or the, next Sunday, the World Health Assembly will be voting on amendments proposed by the Biden administration. If passed, these amendments will grant the World Health Organization's Director General the power to unilaterally declare health emergencies and decision-making authority over all emergencies, implementing quarantines, lockdowns, mandating vaccines and passports. In other words, having absolute unmitigated dictatorial control over the world. The Sanhedrin said, not on my watch. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. 27 years on the air. It's 
it seems impossible. Every day has been an act of obedience. A strong faith is a long obedience in the same direction. There have been times when it just didn't seem possible to continue. But we have. And we've continued without any commercial support. None. Without any deep pocket support from any ministry. None. We've had to rely completely on God's people, our listeners. Completely. So if we're going to continue on the air, God has set up a situation where he relies upon his people to help us stay on the air, to get his message out so that we can become doers of the word, not hearers only, so that we can become partners in this enterprise, true partners. Because without you, we can't keep going. So God is looking to you, those who who he plants the need, the who, who he prompts in their hearts to join us in this effort. We're so grateful for those over the years that he has. And some have been giving for very, very many years. Very many years. It's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. We've established some just tremendous kingdom relationships over the years. But we haven't heard from you. And God, I believe, has been tugging on the hearts of many people, saying, you know what? You've been listening. You're being strengthened. You're being encouraged. You're being built up. You're being warned. Yes, you're being wooed. You're being fed. You are getting a high-protein, sustaining, spiritual meal every day. How about coming on board, you see, and be part of the effort? Go to our website, saveus.org. Make your generous gift that way or give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries. Uh, We also have a way to set up a regular monthly uh, gift, if you'd like to do it that way. So we call it an automated gift. And uh, you can do that online, or you can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. And, uh, you know, if you ever have to make a change, either to drop the amount that you're giving or cancel it altogether or increase the amount, that can be done. It could be a matter done in a matter of two or three days. No hanging around. We get it done because we're working together. Now, also, since we put such emphasis in the early part of the program here today on fathers, husbands, grandfathers, and so on, because we're the key, guys. We're the key. Our wives The mothers of our children have been looking to us, and we, many of us, have failed, just failed miserably. But now the times are different. When the going gets tough, the tough have to get going. We need to toughen up, and we need to be doers of the word. My book, Hearts of the Fathers, was written specifically for this situation. How to leave a legacy that lasts. 
hearts of the fathers. You see, this is one of the biggest things on God's mind as we approach the second coming. We know that because he told us in Malachi chapter 4 that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, in other words, when God begins to pour out his wrath on the children of disobedience, not man's wrath, but his wrath, that he's going to send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Why? Because fatherhood has failed. It's failing. Everywhere. God says, this isn't the way I intended it to be. I'm a father. I'm concerned. So, the book, Hearts of the Fathers, is going to provide a vision for you, my dear friends, men, fathers, grandfathers, yes, pastors, in perhaps ways that you have not thought of. It's about learning how to become the spiritual leader of your home. About learning how to truly be a father from God's viewpoint, not from the culture's viewpoint, but from God's viewpoint. I think you'll find the book inspiring. Vision casting. Because without a vision, the people perish. And I tell you, guys, our wives, the mothers of our children, have been craving for their husbands to grasp this message. So here's the book. It's a uh, $22 book. It's on our website. Uh, Actually, I think it's a... What is it here? Yeah, it's a $20 book. I'm sorry. $20 hardbound book. Easy to read. And it's yours on our website for $15. What an incredible, life-changing book. The Secret of the Lord, it's called. The Secret of the Lord. The Hidden Truth That Defines Your Destiny. $20, but yours for 15 Right there on the website, saveus.org. Go there. Get your copy. Get several copies. Give one to your pastor. Pastors, if you're listening, this should be a pastor's best friend. Pastors have a very hard time reaching men by their own confession. This book is a tool for you. You can use it with your small groups, men's groups, and so on. $15. $15 on our website, The Secret of the Lord. Hardbound. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. If you order them in bulk, some uh, dads and grandparents have actually ordered new copies to give to their various uh, kids and so on. Uh Again, we've got Father's Day coming up here on June 19th. It's just rushing in upon us. So let's seize this opportunity. Now, uh, let's tie this ribbon a little closer with the issues that are taking place around our world. The Sanhedrin, as we announced, the 71 uh, ruling elders of Israel uh, issued a ruling that if the Israeli government agrees to 
this uh, Biden-promoted agenda to turn over sovereignty uh, to the World Health Organization, that from their viewpoint, that is the Sanhedrin's viewpoint, it will be null and void from the outset. Why? Well, this is their explanation. Rabbi Hillel Weiss emphasized that the World Health Organization is not the correct body to run an international organization. He said the place for the nations to gather for such issues is in Jerusalem, not in Geneva. And the body to facilitate this is the Sanhedrin, he said, not the World Health Organization. He said, as the representative of the 70 nations, the United Nations has an obligation to uphold the seven Noahide laws. Abortion and euthanasia violate the prohibition against spilling blood. And by allowing, actually mandating murder, the World Health Organization has relinquished its right to represent the nations. The World Health Organization advocates anti-Torah principles, which makes it unsuited to dictate to Israel how to handle health matters, and that goes also for America or anyone professing to be a Christian. You want to find out more about those Noahide laws? You're going to want to get a copy of my book, Messiah, when it comes out in August. Oh, my friends, what you are about to learn in that book may boggle your mind. Messiah. Oh, yeah. Now, very quickly, A historic verdict has come down for the courts in Israel. No more discrimination on the Temple Mount against Israel and in favor of Palestinians. This is called a historic verdict. Why? Because it's changing the practice now that has kept Jews from praying on the Temple Mount And now it says, we're not going to discriminate anymore. This is wrong. That's going to be hold hold true for Christians, too. Why is this important? Not just because of the ruling, but because, friends, the Temple Mount is going to be the epitome of world focus coming up in the near future. That's what my book, King of the Mountain, was all about, where he who rules the Temple Mount is deemed to rule the world. If you don't have that book, I urge you to get a copy of it. It's a $20 book, yours for $15. King of the Mountain, the epic, eternal, and end-time battle. King of the Mountain. That ultimate mountain is the Temple Mount. And that's why this particular article is significant, historic. Again, Hearts, the uh, the book King of the Mountain is on the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You're going to get a an understanding of the dynamics of what's happening in our world and what has been happening over the past 6,000 years as you read that book. It's going to come clear. Now, because of the position of the rabbis there in Israel, they're calling for the toppling of the current government, the Bennett government in Israel, because they say it is evil. And we can't tolerate evil in this country. Finally, did Ronald Reagan really believe Russia would one day attack Israel? Well, indeed he did. Based on the writings of the ancient Hebrew prophet Ezekiel, 
It's an amazing story, but he did. We might have opportunity another time to go into it more deeply. But he talked about the war of Gog and Magog. The prophecy was written about 2,600 years ago, has not yet come to pass. In 1971, Reagan, then governor of California, attended a banquet to honor Senator, State Senator James Mills. And after the main course, he asked Mills if he was familiar with the fierce Old Testament prophet Ezekiel. He went on to explain that Russia was the Magog described in Ezekiel's prophecy and was thus doomed to destruction. Hmm. At that time, Reagan conceded that everything hadn't fallen into place yet, but he strongly believed that the end of the Soviet Empire and the second coming of Christ were increasingly close at hand. In his 1997 book, Dutch, a memoir of Ronald Reagan, Edmund Morris, the president's official biographer, revealed that Ezekiel was actually Reagan's favorite book of prophecy. Morris also recounted an intriguing scene he personally witnessed in the Oval Office in which Reagan discussed the Ezekiel option with his White House Chief of Staff, Howard Baker, and National Security Advisor, Colin Powell. He said, we talked mainly about religion, read the notes from Reagan's meeting with Morris on February 9, 1988. Morris went on to say, I've been reading a book about this Armageddon complex, and when I mentioned the subject, am rewarded by an animated speech full of jovial doom that lasts the rest of a half an hour, right there in the Oval Office. Wow. Tie it all together, my friends. Dare we say that Jesus is coming soon, and that's why we need to prepare. Apparently, Ronald Reagan understood that even the nature of geopolitics. But do we understand it in the nature of our true spiritual preparation? Most do not. Do you? Again, thanks for joining us here. Get a copy of the book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. $15 on our website, saveus.org. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.